On today's show, Atlanta Hawks lose up in Brooklyn. Their sixth loss in the last eight games. Very competitive from the Hawks in this spot. The offense was good enough to win. Defense was not quite good enough to win because Brooklyn was making every shot. And the turnover battle, while it went in the Hawks' direction, was not as big of an advantage as it probably should have been in this one. We'll have all of the takeaways from this game and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team. Every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1366 of the Lot on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Friday evening, December the 9th. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. And I also want to encourage you to make us your first listen each and every day. Check out the Lot on Hawks podcast across platforms Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Odyssey app, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course on YouTube on the video side. And today's show will break down what became a close-fought loss for the Hawks up in Brooklyn. A final score of 120 to 116. It was a back-and-forth game a lot of the way. Uh, definitely a, a high-scoring game despite um, some pace challenges at times for the Hawks. Um, second half was essentially dead even. Uh, these two teams tied in the second half at 52-52, but the Hawks were uh, down for the majority of the game. They did lead a couple times late in this one, including by as many as four points, and really the offense was good enough to win in this spot for the most part for Atlanta. It wasn't perfect, as we'll get into in a second, but defensively, they had all kinds of issues with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. As you might expect, those two guys are very, very good, and of course the Hawks still battling shorthanded right now without three starters in this game, uh, including DeJounte Murray as the headliner um, absence. So We'll get into all of what transpired, but certainly not a bad loss for the Hawks necessarily. The Hawks have had some bad losses in the recent past, which kind of contributes to things. This is a lot of this is kind of why those losses matter even more when you're supposed to win, because this game, the Hawks were underdogs and pretty solid underdogs ended up covering actually. But, um, you know, this is winnable for Atlanta. It would have been nice to steal this one to cap the two game trip to New York. But with this loss, the Hawks are now back down to 500 on the season at 13 and 13. And we'll get we'll get into sort of all of what happened in this game. And, of course, the big picture stuff later on in the show. Um, as for the pregame situation here for Atlanta, it was the first game against the Nets this season. Uh, Brooklyn is certainly has some limitations. They're pretty small. They had a late scratch. Actually, Nick Claxton, their starting center, missed this game. And the Nets played very small the entire game. In fact, it was really only De'Aaron Sharp that was playing at all as a true center. I think only played like five and a half minutes. So they basically played five out or was something close to five out with Ben Simmons, whatever that looks like with him um, for the entire game. Uh, the Hawks had three guys out, of course. It was Collins. It was Murray. And then DeAndre Hunter was questionable for this one coming in. He, of course, has been out for more than a week at this point with the hip flexor strain that he suffered in Orlando. But uh, at least he got closer, I will say, in this game. We'll see how uh, how quickly he returns. He could play as early as Sunday against the Bulls. Trent Forrest returned to action for the Hawks in this game. Jamila Johnson was on the scene in Brooklyn and relayed that Nate McMillan said Bogdanovich is, quote, probably on a restriction for a few more games. Um, spoiler alert, Bogey played a lot of minutes in this game. We'll talk, about, we'll talk about, about that later on, but there was not an exact limitation. He did say after the game, Nate did that Bogey uh, went over that restriction, which is pretty obvious if you watch this game. But uh, that was so the other update that was not about guys either playing or not playing because the Hawks, again, down three starters. Obviously, that's uh, a tough a, a tough pill to swallow, even against a Nets, a Nets team that is, uh, has some flaws. But still, um, the Hawks were seven and a half point underdogs, according to our friends at Bell Online, in this game. That is a pretty lopsided margin. Generally speaking, teams are not that big an underdog without being a back-to-back or something like that. 
unless there are real injuries or unless one of the teams is very bad. And the Hawks uh, are obviously not very bad. I know there's been some frustration recently, but uh, with the injuries are definitely the reason why the Hawks were such such big underdogs in this game, and they were able, obviously, the right side on that prism in this one. They ended up starting Aaron Holiday at the two in this one, giving them a primary defender in Kyrie Irving. It was the same starting five that had happened in the second half on Wednesday. It was basically a revolving door on Kevin Durant. I will say Jalen Johnson did a better job in the second half for sure. We'll come back to that later on. But, you know, lineup crafting was difficult in this game because the Hawks have some kind of not one-way players, but certainly uh, one-way leaning players. Um, Aaron Holiday was out there to basically guard Kyrie Irving because Trey Young can't really guard Kyrie Irving. So you kind of had to play around with that. And then with, with guys like Jared Culver and even Trent Forrest, you have to be mindful of having enough shooting on the floor. So some, some mixing match that had to happen um, from Nate throughout the game. Um, Trey made his first three-pointer in this game. He had been five of 34 from three in the previous five games. But uh, unfortunately, he missed six of his last seven. Um, so sorry, five of, his, five of his last six from three after that first make. So he's still, even with the early make in this one, he is seven of 41 from three in the last six contests. Um, there was a, nice, a nice couple of nice steals from AJ Griffin in the early going, forcing a timeout. Uh, by the way, the 12th straight game for, for AJ to have a steal. That is a the active rookie mark. It's pretty impressive stuff there for him to be uh, showing off his good hands. He didn't shoot the ball well in this game, as we'll come back to later on. But he had two steals and was active defensively. Um, the Hawks were hilariously ignoring Ben Simmons on offense. Capella was playing, I mean, I'm not exaggerating, probably 10 feet off of Ben Simmons at different points in this game. And rightfully so. Ben Simmons can't shoot, and that's part of the deal with having Ben Simmons on the floor. Capella was smart and kind of playing off of him. On the other side, though, Kevin Durant was unconscious early on. He had 12 points on his first seven shots. The Hawks had no answers at all. He helped to key a 15 to five run by, by the Nets to, to go up by six early on. There was a really ugly transition play where Trey kind of threw it away to, to Joe Johnson on a lob pass. Uh, Capella missed a couple of layups in the first half, which are always uh, sort of backfiring in some respects. Obviously, he's been shooting the ball very well recently, but still, it always hurts when he misses those those bunnies around the rim. And uh, yeah, some some shakiness at the outset. Uh, rotationally, it was Bogey and Trent Forrest coming in together. They basically had either Forrest or Holiday on the court at all times to guard Kyrie Irving. That was the right decision. Those were their two best options against, against Kyrie. And the Hawks fans were frustrated that Griffin came out of the game in the first quarter, but they, I think they were trying to avoid, and probably rightfully so, a lineup of Trey, Bogey, and Griffin at the same time with Kyrie on the court because like no one can guard Kyrie of those three guys. That's probably what I would imagine was the case there, but still kind of a weird timing thing for AJ to come out of the game at that point. Uh, it was Jarrett Culver as the backup four. Hawks by 10 guys in this game, although uh, definitely there was a top eight and then sort of a, a, a default nine and 10 uh, later on. The Hawks had a nice stretch, actually, after the timeout in the first quarter with, with six straight points. They were able to attack the basket quite a bit in this one. The Hawks ended up having like a 60-plus points in the paint. They were able to get where they wanted to without Brooklyn having a real big on the floor. But they made a mess of the final minute, Trey threw the ball away for a pick six and then another turnover on, on moving screen play. Fortunately, the Hawks finally started doubling Kevin Durant at the very, very end and got a shot clock violation basically at the end of the quarter. But still a 129 defensive rating in the first quarter. Durant had 18 points on 11 shots. Just not a whole lot going on there. And uh, that was the start of Brooklyn shooting the ball at an obscene level in this game. They shot 73% from the field in the first quarter, which is just ludicrous stuff. But they were turning the ball over early and often throughout this game uh, defensively, uh, sorry, on offense, the Hawks actually scored 30 points in the first quarter and had a bad offensive performance because the pace was so high. They had a 103 offensive rating. It's actually quite bad, but with 30 points, people didn't quite, didn't quite notice that Trey had 14 points on 11 shooting possessions. He wasn't like super effective, but he was definitely better than he has been at times. And uh, he did kind of cool off after that, but it was definitely one of the situations where Trey had 33 and nine in this game and didn't play like an A plus game by any means in this one. 
that he's capable of doing that even on nights where he doesn't really have it going at, uh, at the highest level. Um, in the second quarter, they went to Bogey and Griffin together, which is what I would basically always want to do right now with DeJounte out. I think whenever Trey's off the court, you kind of have to play Bogey and Griffin together a lot because the offense is just not going to be good enough. Otherwise, it was Justin Holiday as the 10th guy in this game. Um, the Hawks went zone with that with that unit kind of smartly, I thought. They uh, basically wanted to kind of just you know, play it off and play a little bit slower with Trey off the floor. They got down by 12 early in the quarter. That was their large deficit at that point in, ga- in, in the game. And then Bogey got going in a big way. He had back-to-back threes. The second one was wide open, to be fair, but he was very, very hot in this one. And uh, kind of funny because Bogey, previous to those threes, had missed 11 straight three-pointers, including 10 in a row on Wednesday, but uh, he obviously got off the schneid in a big way in this one. He shot the heck out of the ball throughout. Trent Fourth had five, five points in a row, a couple nice uh, straight-line drives for Trent in that stretch. Um, Kyrie got going, though, on the other side. He had eight points in a row for Brooklyn, and Capella had his second bad miss of the first half. Uh, he had a nice block, though, moments later on uh, on defense, kind of at the rim, and then held up, actually, once on a switch against Durant, which is which is pretty impressive. Uh, Bogey had a nice crafty left-handed drive that was nice. The Hawks had a, a pretty big run late in the first half, a 17-5 to overall push by the Hawks. Uh, Trey had a seven-point stretch in a row when he had two, two setback jump shots and then also a layup to tie the game after coming all the way back from down by 12. It was definitely a roller coaster in this one, both both halves really. Lots of runs and not huge ones, but certainly notable ones on both sides. And the Hawks were down by four at the break, which was probably positive after being down by 12 multiple times in the first half. Unfortunately, the Hawks shot the ball incredibly well in the first half and were still losing. Uh, in fact, it was one of their best shooting halves of the entire season. They were um, in the second quarter alone, 64% from the floor and four of eight from three. They shot 56% in the entire half, like a 65%. Um, EFG in the first half. Pretty crazy stuff. They got to the middle of the defense at will. Unfortunately, um, the, the Nets just shot the ball even better than the Hawks did, um, which definitely you know kind of counteracted all of it. Turnovers were a problem as they were the entire game, but Trey had 22 at the half and Bogey had 13. And by the way, Bogey played 16 consecutive minutes in the first half while on a restriction. That I don't understand whatsoever. I'm, I'm sure the training staff is probably not thrilled with that either. But anyway, I will say that Griffin was at the table for a while during that, so it wasn't like all planned, but certainly it was like 14 minutes without a stoppage or anybody going to the table for Bogey at that point. Um, but after the awful shooting from Trey, Bogey, and Griffin on Wednesday, the three of them combined to shoot 6 of 11 from three in the first half. The numbers got worse in the second half because AJ had a, had a shaky night and so did Trey from three, but at least they made more shots because as we talked about Wednesday night on the podcast, uh, it would be very hard for the, for this t- Hawks team, especially with their current setup with their roster without uh, Murray and Hunter and Collins, for them to win games without any of their three shooters making shots, as was what happened on Wednesday. And at least in this one, Bogey was red hot, gave him a chance to win. Defensively, it was obviously pretty rough, and we'll come back to that later on in the podcast for more extensive breakdowns on that front. All right, lots of, a lot more to get to on this game, lots of stuff to talk about in the second half, as well as some takeaways, big picture stuff, and more. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by Masterclass, and with Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn about songwriting from John Legend, or about business strategy from Bob Iger, or even about cooking from Gordon Ramsay. With over 180 classes from a range of world-class instructors, that thing you've been always wanting to do is closer than you might think. On the basketball side, they have Steph Curry teaching shooting and ball handling, while Gino Oriema brings insight on leading and teaching a team. I've also checked out the poker classes in the past with Daniel Negreanu and Phil Ivey, and I was blown away by the quality and depth of those offerings. And Masterclass has cinnamon quality classes that give you unparalleled access and with sessions a new product from masterclass 
You can find a deeper dive into the lessons over a fixed amount of time. Masterclass is accessible on your phone, web, or smart TV, offering classes on a huge variety of subjects, all topic people who are at the top of their fields, and members can go at their own pace. Each class has downloadable materials, classes, um, guides, recipes, and much more. Masterclass can be accessed anytime, anywhere on iOS, Android, desktop, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, Roku, or by visiting masterclass.com. And I highly recommend you check out Masterclass today. And this holiday, give one annual membership and get one free. Go to masterclass.com slash locked on today. That is masterclass.com slash locked on. Terms apply. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn. And these days, every new potential hacker can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why I check out LinkedIn Jobs right now. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team. They do it faster and they do it for free. I've been hiring on LinkedIn Jobs in the past and they've proven to be an awesome resource. It's really easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. And they have the candidates they're looking for that are high quality and that you have to locate to make the best possible hire for your business. And then once you're set up, you can add your job, the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're actually hiring and they have tools like screen questions to make it easy to focus on candidates which is the right skills and experience to quickly prioritize who you want to interview and eventually hire finish the year strong with linkedin jobs if i right team member is a key piece of doing just that it is why small businesses rate linkedin jobs number one in delivering quality hires against lead competitors linkedin jobs lets you find the right qualified candidates you want to talk to and they help you to do it faster put post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on mba that is linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right. And we'll dive into the second half now. Uh, Jalen Johnson actually had a nice start to the third quarter, had a nice drive in the first 90 seconds or so, got the attention of the defense and dumped it off to, to Capella for a dunk. Trey had one very quickly after that as well. Again, the Hawks were just kind of knifed through the defense the entire game effectively. And again, I thought Jalen played much better defensively in the second half. It's an impossible assignment for Jalen Johnson to have to guard Kevin Durant. Like that's not really fair to him, especially with his lack of reps in that kind of role. But he did settle in and got and got better throughout this one on defense. The Nets, though, were kicking the ball around the entire gym, the entire game, really, but especially in the first two and a half quarters. So Brooklyn had five turnovers in the first five minutes of the second half. At that point, they had 17 for the game. That's a ton, even for a full game. The Hawks, though, lost those five minutes by eight points. Again, the Nets averaged a turnover per minute, and the Hawks lost those minutes by eight points because Brooklyn hit five threes in that stretch. So basically, for like half of a quarter, Brooklyn either made a three or turned the ball over. <laughs> it was pretty crazy. Kyrie Irving was red hot in that stretch, and the Hawks also missed their first five threes of that half. Brooklyn, at one point, had 87 points in 30 minutes, which is a ton, obviously, no matter what the pace is. And they did that while committing 19 turnovers. That is like impossible to do because you have to shoot so well. And the Nets did at that point. Now they finally did cool off from there. In fact, they were pretty, pretty human offensively for the last quarter and a half of this game. Um, they were two points in like a four, four, like a four minute stretch in the third quarter. And the Hawks come back within five. That was good to see. They played um, a much shorter rotation in the third. In fact, they only played eight guys the entire quarter. Jalen Johnson played the entire third quarter, which was definitely a notable change. I'm not sure he's ever played a full quarter of competitive basketball in terms of like non-garbage time. But uh, I think it was because he was better and also because Nate was kind of rewarding him for playing better. I think part of that too, he was much more engaged and active defensively, in particular more aggressive and kind of got getting up into Durant, using his size to his advantage, making him drive. And also the Hawks played Capella longer than usual start the quarter, about 10 minutes or so, where they went to Okongwu, and then he actually sat for what I thought was too long in the fourth quarter. Anyway, um, a kind of a weird quarter overall. They've kind of lots of stops and starts. Only lost it by two points, despite Brooklyn hitting six threes in the quarter, but much more of a defensive quarter, like more of a slugfest by the numbers across the board, and the Nets were turning the ball over at a, at a high level. The Hawks had 
29 points of turnovers through three quarters. Uh, Bogey had five threes by the end of the third quarter, and Trey had 29 at the end of the third. Only ended up with 33, so a quiet fourth for Trey, but still um, pretty still pretty, pretty fast-paced game. The Hawks had 90 points through three quarters, which is uh, obviously you're averaging three points a quarter. People are going to turn have their heads turned, but they had actually a sub-average offensive rating at that point just because the pace was so high. But in the fourth, it was kind of a slugfest for a while. The Hawks played Culver and Holiday together. I mean, Justin, not Aaron. Um, they played the, the, those guys at the forward spots. And instead of doing what they, did, what they did in the first half, which was playing both Bogey and Griffin together with Trey off the floor, they played Culver and Holiday and Forrest. That trio is not going to work on offense most of the time. And that was still kind of true to form. But fortunately, they were built out by Bogey uh, eventually. Bogey. Hit back to my jump shots for the lead with about nine and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And uh, that was a very nice kickstart to give the Hawks, again, the lead for the first time in like two quarters at that point. Bogey at that point had 28 points on his first 16 shots. He was cooking. He was getting to the rim. He was he was getting off three pointers. He was playing with a lot of verve, like, like, like they got from two years ago, and uh, definitely giving him a huge lift. The Hawks called a timeout mid-quarter down by two, uh, sorry, up by two points. And then that brought Durant and Trey back into the game for what I would I would sort of referred to as crunch time the last six and a half, seven minutes or so. They actually stayed with Forrest the entire way because when Bogey kind of hit his limit and ended up coming back in the game, but no matter what, it was Forrest because even when they had Bogey on the court, they wanted someone to guard Kyrie, and that became Forrest over Aaron Holiday. Um, they actually won the non-tray minutes in the fourth quarter, 13 to 5, and that was also, also with uh, Katie off the floor as well, to be fair, to Trey. Um, but the Hawks were up by four multiple times down the stretch. Um, the Nets did have little, little spurts. Bogey did exceed his limit coming back in. They went with Capella, I thought, probably a couple minutes too late, which was unfortunate. Um, Jalen missed open three for the lead, but the Hawks got a couple stops. Trey had a 19-footer to go up by one point, and the Nets had a great possession actually after that. It was like a beautiful ball movement possession, like an old-school like 2015 Hawks play, just like a lot of passing into a Kevin Durant three. Uh, Trey took a pretty bad shot. And suddenly the Hawks were down by six points. They were back in this game, though, because at that point, I, I would have told you the Hawks were fighting an uphill battle down by six with like three minutes to go. But, uh, you know, they were alive. Katie missed a shot. They kind of ran down ran down their throats. Trey threw a nice lob off the, off the backboard to Clint for a dunk. That was nice to see. And then a big swing in the game, actually, was Capella getting called for a three-shot foul on Seth Curry with 1.46 to go. And honestly, even if this was not a easy call, no matter what, it was a play you have to challenge as McMillan. And he did, which was a credit to him. I wasn't sure if it was going to get overturned in real time, but no matter what, you have the challenge there. It's a three-shot foul. It's the highest highest leverage play basically imaginable. He, he challenged it. He wins it. And uh, by the way, also with Curry being, being the shooter, it's almost an auto three points. So that was a huge play. Ends up being a jump ball. The Hawks win. So it could have been like a five-point swing on that challenge. They won it. Unfortunately, Trey tried to kind of force one, turn it over. And then uh, what I thought was the biggest shot of the game was Kevin Durant hitting a three to go from up by two to up by five in the final you know minute and a half or so. Trey did score quickly back to get back within three. And it was not over because um, Durant missed the shot, but it was a super long rebound off that play. That was a big swing as well in Brooklyn's favor. It bounced to Kyrie. I thought it was unlucky on the live play. If you watch it back, uh, you know, I'm not picking on Jalen too much, but Jalen took a really bad angle and like crashed really hard on, on a long jump shot. The ball went over his head and the Nets gathered it. They missed again after that, but it was actually just a great tap back by the Nets. Kind of just one of those like big swings and uh, they just kind of, you know, a nice, nice bounce for Brooklyn. And, uh, you know, basically that becomes a five point game at that point. The Hawks did have their one ray of hope late. Bogdanovich bail, uh, knocks down a three with like seven seconds to go. And when you're done by five, you have to have a three, uh, no matter what anybody says. has to be a three. 
He takes it, he makes it, that gives him a chance, but they ended up not being able to, to, to deny Durant on the inbounds pass, and KD makes both, and that's the end of the game. So, look, this is a close game. It never got out of, like, a six-point window for the final, I don't know, maybe entire fourth quarter or something, something close to that. I think maybe, like, the last ten minutes, the game was never more than five or six in either direction. So it was definitely back and forth and back and forth the entire game, and the Hawks were not got quite able to go over the hump in the fourth quarter as for the overall like numbers and observations in this one the Hawks offensively were good enough to win but they weren't fantastic basically because of the turnovers so we'll start there the Hawks had 17 turnovers in the game now they won the turnover battle so that's important to point out it was like they got blown out there uh, it was like the Raptors game where they, they could not kick, stop kicking the ball around but the Hawks are you know top two or three in the league in turnovers this year they average about 13 13 a game 17 is not egregious by any means but that is not a number that you love. And Trey had eight of those. That was, that was Those were definitely big. And also, the Hawks cooled off from three. So they shot well in the first half. They were six of 14. The second half, they were four of 15. So they were only 10 of 29 for the game. That is not terrible. It's better than they were famously when they were six of 36 on Wednesday. But the Hawks in their last like 16 games now are something like 31% from three. That's really not going to get it done most of the time. Um, on twos, 57% good number there also did a good, good job on the glass um free throw test not, not not huge there but basically the hawks did shoot it well on the whole even with three-point shooting when you factor in the free throw shooting and the two-point shooting it was pretty solid they just didn't have a ton else going on because of the below average ball security we'll come back to the players in a second um defensively kind of the same story in a lot of ways they were not good by the numbers but also like explainable if you want to get into that basically they had a 118 defensive rating, and you're not going to win a lot when that is the number that you are attached to. But when you throw in the context of the roster they had and the opponent they had at home and the fact that KD and Kyrie are KD and Kyrie and the Nets, when they are healthy and when they are firing, are a top three offense in the league, you would, you would expect? Like, this this is their full team. They're playing five out the entire game. Like, there are a, very few teams that can score like Brooklyn can when they have it going. So on one hand, like they shot the heck out of the ball, which is at least partly the Hawks' fault, especially early on. I think I thought they got a little, a little bit loose defensively with some closeouts. You know, Trey was not good defensively in this game. Bogey is not necessarily dialed in at this point defensively. Uh, I thought Aaron and Justin Holiday both had some, some mishaps defensively, but they weren't terrible. They just they just weren't good, and that was the problem. Um, and again, the Nets just shot the heck out of the ball the entire game. It's just for the numbers, by the way. They cooled off in the second half and still shot 45% from three in the game. That's 45% from three. They were 13 of 29. It's not a huge um, volume, but still the Hawks took the same amount and made three less. That's nine points. There's your game in some respects. And then from two, they were 60%. So while the Hawks shot the ball very well by any standard in this game, the Mets were just better across the board. Brooklyn had 30 assists as well. They were moving the ball very well. And uh, it's pretty crazy, but the Nets end up winning this one on offense, basically, by while still having 21 turnovers in the game. Now, that's a comical number, but considering they had 19 turnovers in the first, like, 30 minutes, Brooklyn did a good job the rest of the game taking care of the ball. In fact, the Hawks had more turnovers than the Nets did for the final, like, 15, 16 minutes of the game. So only one in the fourth quarter. And the Hawks did have, I think, what was might have been a season high in points on turnovers in this game with 29. That just wasn't quite enough to uh, fuel what became a narrow loss. And, look, there were opportunities to win this game for sure. Execution stuff, I think Nate touched on it after the game as well. 
some um, some defensive rebounds that probably could, that probably could have happened in the fourth quarter, um, both pre-Capella and with Capella on the floor. Those two long ones in the last possession when the Hawks had to get a stop were big, um, even if you kind of lucky along the way. And the offense just wasn't like perfect. You know, if not for Bogey going supernova, the Hawks would have had some pretty rough numbers in this game, even with guys having better nights. We'll get, we'll get into it in a second with the individual play. But, you know, people are not going to love to hear this, especially on the sixth loss in eight games. But if you just attack this game on its own, this is a pretty feisty performance for the Hawks. Like, I think that um, obviously you cannot just ignore the rest of the context. And obviously they've lost six of the last eight games and no one's thrilled by that. But this game in particular, the Hawks played like a B plus game. They just happened to lose to a team that on paper is better than them. This Nets team um, at relatively full strength is better than the Hawks without three starters. That's just, and, and the game was in Brooklyn. So that kind of just tells you the story here. The Hawks did, I think, mostly on account of Bogey going ballistic and some other guys having playing pretty well, were able to be in the game the entire way. But losing by four to this Nets team in this situation is, I don't want to say it's great, but it's it's totally fine. It is what it is. Okay, now we'll have some individual player breakdowns in a moment. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online, and December is now in full swing, of course. The NBA season is rocking and rolling. Plenty of football, hockey, and other action, including the World Cup, happening right now. Bet Online is the number one source for all of your waging information, the stats, news, and analysis they're looking for this season. You get the latest odds and trends for every pro and college league out there, Bet Online. That includes, of course, the latest in football and basketball and soccer and esports, golf, tennis, auto racing, horse racing, entertainment bets, and much more. Bet Online has Various information looking and trying to gauge the latest on the Hawks as well from nightly game odds and totals to how the futures market looks on the team side with uh, title odds and conference odds, division odds, etc. Plus individual award stuff if you like that sort of thing. And Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to get your sports betting fix. If you love sports podcasts, they also have those at Bet Online as well for you to check out. And Bet Online is the best place to go right now for sports wagering information. It's everything you want in the sports wagering space. And check it out right now on your mobile device or your computer. Learn more about all the trends and the action in the sports world, but online where the game starts. Okay, and the individual players are uh, now. So 10 players appeared for the Hawks in this game. Two guys played less than the rest, and that was uh, for good reason. Jared Culver and Justin Holiday both played about 10, 11 minutes in this one. Um, Justin didn't have a great game, I didn't think. Beyond just not scoring, only took one shot um, from three, missed it. Um, one rebound, one block, had a couple defensive mishaps in this game, which he, which he just can't have for his execution. When they had him in there, they were playing more zone. And I get that. He's uh, more like used to playing that kind of defense, but it was a below average game for Justin, I thought. Um, Culver, it's uh, kind of the same story. I know he's, it's been a nice story, actually, positively for the last couple of weeks for Jared Culver. But um, on offense, it is just very easy to defend the Hawks when he's out there because he just does not have to be guarded really at all. Um, to get to the line for two free throws, had four rebounds and four points in 10 minutes, but he was uh, he was just okay. And then defensively, he had a couple of uh, rough ones against KD, as uh, a lot of people do, but it wasn't like he had – it was a great option against KD either. And again, like the Hawks just had no answers for KD. Uh, that would have been Hunter, obviously. But given that they had to play the entire game basically with Jalen Johnson or Jared Culver on – or zone on KD, like what are you going to do? There's not a whole lot you can do there. Um, as for the rest of the guys, Okongwu played 19 minutes – 6.7 rebounds. He was on the floor for the big push in the second half. He had three fouls in the first half and did not fall in the second half, which is positive for a Kongwu. But, you know, I thought he was okay. Um, wasn't like he was fantastic. He had one nice finish around the rim that I definitely took note of. But 6.7 rebounds, had a steal. He was active. I almost wanted to see him play on, on Durant a little bit more, just to use his uh, size and acumen. Uh, but they didn't really try that a ton in the second half of this game. Uh, Trent Forrest, I thought, played very well. Uh, he was minus six because he was playing with the starter some, but that was not because of him. I thought he played, like, really good uh, basketball. 11 points, 
three assists, two steals, two rebounds. He moves the ball well. Only one turnover. Um, got to the got, actually got seven shots out of five seven. Good craft around the rim. Uh, Forrest earned the closing minutes. They closed with him basically over AJ Griffin down the stretch. Now part of that is matchup driven because they had to have him guard uh, Kyrie. But Nate trusted Forrest more than Aaron Holiday down the stretch, which I thought was the right decision, but also just a notable one. Um, just kind of kind of have him go out and do that. And I think he's earned more time, even when everybody's healthy with this run. And he hadn't played, he hadn't played in a week either after, after concussion and played very well in this game. And then bogey. So bogey was fantastic. That's kind of the simplest way to put it. 31 points on 18 shots. And that's just electric. Obviously um, the shooting is the headliner there. He was seven, nine from three. Um, and when bogey has it going, there are a few guys who are reaching his level of, you know, just, fire basically when he's got it going my prime example always that i will say if people listen to this podcast for a long time they'll probably know what i'm about to say but two years ago during the playoff run and all that to the conference finals the second half of the season bogey shot 49 percent from three on like a real sample size like taking a ton of shots and the way that i would describe it is that he was basically the second best shooter in the world for three months behind steph that's how good he was and I'm not saying you expect that from Bogey, but when he has it going, he is basically unguardable and he'll fire at will. He's aggressive and he was hunting shots. And it was great to find, great to see all of that. The Hawks are just different with him on the floor. Um, even the other night when he wasn't making anything, he was 0 of 10 from three on Wednesday. He still helps the offense because he greases the wheels. And I think I've been saying it since the summer, especially when we kind of found out that, you know, her was going to be back and all that stuff. And like this team was always in dire need of Bogey. And this year, it's been pretty obvious that was the case, um, just shooting-wise. Even with A.J. taking a bigger role, they still need bogey. And his shooting is really impressive. Even inside the arc in this game, he's 5 of 9 from 2. He was crafty around the rim, a couple of nice finishes. He's able to kind of get to the rim more than you would think. Defensively, he's got a long way to go still. I think the knee and conditioning, all that stuff. But he definitely played more minutes than he probably should have in this game. But uh, he played great, and he was probably the number one reason why the Hawks were still in this game down the stretch. Um, to the starters – couple guys were quieter than others. Aaron Holiday was the quietest. 19, 19 minutes, I should say. Had, had, had three steals, four points. Did okay on Kyrie at times, but he was I probably, I thought was probably below average for the most part. And I think it was right to go with Forrest over Aaron down the stretch. AJ Griffin had a rough one by his standards. He had 10 points on 12 shooting possessions, one of five from three. Was three of six from two in this one. Had two steals, very active there. Three turnovers, two assisted rebounds. It just been a little bit shaky in recent days, which is like, you know, again, that's okay. He was not always going to be able to shoot as hot as he was early on, especially from two point range. Like he was just making everything for about three weeks, even on floaters. And the last three games, he was four fifteen against Oklahoma city, three of 13 against New York and four of 11 tonight. And from three, he has three games in a row now making a third of his threes or less. Like he was, he was just due for that. I don't worry really at all like, about AJ, but after the way he shot the ball early on, it was inevitable. He was going to cool off a little bit and he's obviously in a bigger role, but he was minus 13 and uh, we'll leave it there for now. Joan Johnson, again, I don't think he played well, but he was much better in the second half. Uh, he, he got, he got into Durant a little bit more. He was more aggressive. He is very long. And I think it's, kind of interesting to note like how much better he is when he's just like letting his physicality shine if you're going to ask him to be a positional defender he's not quite there yet but we, he's just out there being a being a guy and being aggressive and being long and being athletic he's better in that role did have four fouls um the shooting is tough he was 0-5 from three and it's one of those games where it's crazy if you look at this bogey was seven of nine from three the rest of the team was three of 20 from three and you know jalen being 0-5 is tough you know, the combination of basically all the supporting pieces. So not AJ, not Trey, um, Jalen, Aaron, and Justin holiday combined to go 0 of eight from three. 
that's tough. You know, especially when you throw in Trey going two of seven and AJ going one of one of fifteen. Sorry, one of five. That's uh, you know, kind of par for the course for this Hawks team this year. They have one guy hot and, and nobody else hot along alongside him. But uh, yeah, I thought Jalen was not good and but not bad, and it got better. And it's just a, a reminder that it would be nice if he was just like a, if he was a year or two more advanced right now, it would be very helpful to the, to this Hawks team. But he's still pretty green. He's kind of a rookie in the way that he's playing still right now after not playing much at all last year and. To his, to his credit and to uh, his defense, uh, having him guard Kevin Durant as the primary assignment is just very tough. And that's not on Jalen. That's because of all the injuries and just the lack of personnel. And he, he did a credible job for a lot of this game, after, especially after the first quarter. He settled in and was better. Um, Capella was really good, I thought, as usual, 15 points, 11 rebounds. He did have two pretty bad misses in the first half, but then from there it was really good um, around the rim. Uh, ended up 6 of 11 from the floor, which is still totally fine. Um, during the game, I looked this up. He's actually number six in the league in field goal percentage coming into the, to the game. So for all the misses that people hate, he's still been quite efficient this year. Um, actually, he was 3-4 the line in this game as well. 11 rebounds, had a steal, had a block. He was their best center again. Um, tough matchup for him in some ways because of Brooklyn not playing big at all, really, in this one. But I thought Clint did a good job in uh, in space. And then we'll end with Trey. And it was a mixed bag from Trey. Like on one hand, it was good to see him be aggressive and he got wherever he wanted to get in this game from two point range. He ended up being 10 of 18 on twos, which is totally good for a guy his size, plus seven, seven at the free throw, free throw line. He was in control of that. And uh, I think definitely playing with more juice off the bounce than he had been. There were still some possessions that I didn't love where he was like really, really going into ISO mode um, in a way that was probably not necessarily. Also, he had eight turnovers. And that's a number that you can't really handle especially with uh, him being the only part of that in his defense again is him being the only initiator for most of this game but still a little bit more uh ball screen would have been helpful three point shooting is still rough i recommend you uh sorry reading a piece from john hollinger kind of laying out what i've been saying for a while but kind of all in one place about trey's shooting woes this year because like he just can't make a jump shot and for whatever reason he made his first one tonight and then missed six uh missed five of the last six and uh yeah it's just what it is what it is i think he's gonna make shots eventually but um I don't think he was as good as 33 points and nine assists will tell you that he was. He And then defensively, he had three steals. That was good to see. He was pretty active at times, but the, especially in the first half, he was pretty rough. So I don't know. It was it was more of a middling game for Trey than you would think for 33 and nine. But on the other hand, it's a credit to Trey that he can not play that well, honestly, and have 33 and nine. <laughs> He's, that's the mark of someone who's awesome. But uh, yeah, still been not great, not, not a great season for Trey, as we talked about a lot in the last couple of, couple of days. I'll leave that now for uh, the end of this podcast. Okay, so from here, the Hawks are 13-13 on the season, and they're 5-9 on the road. They're 8-5 and five at home. Uh, it's been pretty rough in recent days. As I said before, this loss in a vacuum is not a bad one at all. They were competitive. I think they probably outplayed their baseline. It's not all about point spread, but I think you know that tells you a lot in this game, and the Hawks were able to kind of be inside that number for most of the game. Um, but Sunday is a game that the Hawks should be um, I'm not sure they'll be like favored by a lot because of the injuries, but I think Hunter might come back on Sunday. I'm not going to say he's definitely going to come back, but because he was questionable to play on Friday, usually with another day off, he might be able to go on Wednesday. They won't have Murray or Collins. That's definitely a huge thing. But they're playing the Bulls on Sunday at home, and the Bulls are not particularly good right now. They're 10 and 14 on the season. Um, Chicago actually, uh, you know, it's the it's a back-to-back for them as well. They play at home on Saturday. So the Bulls have to go from Chicago to Atlanta overnight Saturday into Sunday. That's another advantage for the Hawks. So I say all that to say that is an, a much, much easier matchup for the Hawks than this particular matchup was against the Nets. 
Um, Hunter would help just for defense and all that stuff as well. So I'm not saying it's like a must win. I'm sure people will say that because of how how, how much the Hawks are losing right now. But um, that's one that you definitely want to get if you are the Hawks because uh, after that, they have to go to Memphis on Monday night on a back-to-back. Memphis is playing very well, and that is a tough game. So if you lose both, suddenly you've lost 8 of 10, and that is not what anybody wants, especially Nate McMillan and his job security will be probably coming up as a louder conversation if they were to lose the next two games. That's not really fair to him considering, <laughs> considering the uh, lack of personnel, but that's just kind of the, the breaks that happen around the league. And, you know, I know it was, it was reported. I talked about this a, lo- a lot last week and um, over the course of this week that he is safe. That was reported by the athletic, but if you go out and lose out of 10, the door starts to open on that front as well. So I don't want to place too much emphasis on those games on Sunday and Monday, but uh, certainly a big one on Sunday against a Bulls team that the Hawks can beat for sure. If they're able to play well, in that spot that will do it for today and for this week we've been very busy on the show with five episodes i talked to wes morton of peachtree hoops on the show thursday evening that's sh- that's conversation is still very relevant or big picture about the first 25 games of the season for the hawks and murray's injury and the fallout from there also did game recaps earlier in the week uh you know tower jones been on the podcast in recent days i've been very very busy on the show and i definitely encourage you to subscribe to this podcast across platforms apple spotify stitcher odyssey um, all those places, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and of course on YouTube. If you are trying to support the podcast in the biggest possible way, I would tell you to subscribe and auto-download and click around on multiple platforms. If you want to go above and beyond, I'm also writing again about the Hawks on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash btroland. If you want to support that endeavor, I definitely appreciate that as well. Thank you for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you after the game on Sunday.